amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. When I was 18, I had a friend who was really into paranormal stuff, just like me. I won't mention his name since we are no longer friends. Let's call him M. We used to embark on all kinds of adventures to haunted places together, and uncanny occurrences seemed to follow us wherever we went. It was as if our energies attracted spirits and other strange phenomena. I have numerous stories I could share but one particular incident stands out as the worst. One day, some of my other friends expressed an interest in visiting a place known as Crybaby Bridge. According to the legend, a woman who had a baby outside of wedlock was so ashamed that she drowned her own child and then took her own life by hanging herself from the bridge. Some claimed that if you parked your car on the bridge, you could hear the woman's feet scraping the car's roof or even hear the baby crying. The bridge was also known to be a place where horse thieves were hanged. Despite M's warnings and his bad feeling about the place, I disregarded his advice, being young and foolish. I joined my friends on the trip to Crybaby Bridge. There were four of us, and I sat in the back seat while we backed our car onto the bridge, ready to make a sudden escape if needed. We turned off the engine and sat in silence for about ten minutes. Suddenly, my friend Big Mike decided to challenge any spirits to reveal themselves. At that moment, an icy coldness filled the air, and an uneasy feeling washed over me. I couldn't bring myself to look directly out the window, but from the corner of my eye, I could make out the figure of a pale, soaked girl who seemed to be wearing a white nightgown. She had long black hair and looked eerie. The next thing I knew, she let out a blood-curdling scream that overwhelmed my senses and everything went dark. It felt as if someone was pushing on my chest and it seemed like I was being ejected through the back seat. I fought back and struggled to stay in control. When I regained consciousness, I found my friends in a state of panic and Big Mike was frantically trying to revive me. They told me that I seemed possessed, growling, and my pupils were dilated. 
The car initially wouldn't start, but eventually we drove away. My friends pointed out claw marks on the back of the car and handprints on the rear windows. That night I had a disturbing nightmare of the same girl screaming, and upon waking up, I discovered scratches on my back and arms. Terrified and shaken, I called M and shared my experience. He came over to my house, and together we cleansed the entire place with sage, asking the spirit to leave me and my home in peace. After that, I never encountered her again, and vow never to return to that bridge, no matter the incentive. I'm uncertain about the identity of the spirit, and I prefer not to know. Since that encounter, I never engaged in any paranormal activities without M by my side. I was a volunteer at a historic site from 2000 to 2005. On site, there was a large house, a barn, and some outbuildings, all built in the mid-1860s by a couple I'll call John and Mary Brown. The house was made of stone and had a cellar where the meals were prepared, a main floor with a family room which had a large fireplace and a parlor or sitting room that was used for a special occasions such as weddings or funerals, and two large bedrooms upstairs, one for the parents and one for their eight children. This may sound cramped, but it was pretty grand for the time that it was built in. Later owners added an actual kitchen and dining room on the main floor, as well as two more bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs. The site was open to the public for house tours on weekends. As a volunteer, I would give tours and tell people the history of the house or give demonstrations of activities of the time, such as cooking in the cellar on the old stove, quilting, making butter, and things like that. The house was actually built along one of the trails that led west, and Mary would cook meals in the cellar kitchen and serve them to people passing through on their way west. It was kind of like an early restaurant. I always felt like the house had a welcoming atmosphere and never got any bad vibes from it. Visitors would often ask me if the house was haunted or if I ever saw any ghosts. I always had to tell them no. However, I must say a few peculiar things did happen to me. A group of the other ladies who were volunteers and the site manager's wife would meet me in the cellar once a month for a sewing night where we could work on sewing projects together, socialize, and discuss upcoming events. Every fall, the site would host cemetery tours. The volunteers would stand in the cemetery by the grave and tell the story of the person who was laid to rest there. One year, we had a volunteer who thought that it would be a good idea to reenact the funeral of the Browns' infant son, Robert, in the parlor upstairs. Robert had been around two years old when he died, and the funeral would definitely have been held at home. I said I didn't think that that was a good idea, since it could be very upsetting to a visitor who may have lost a child. Many others agreed. She was still trying to persuade us when suddenly the cellar lights flickered on and off. I said, see, Mary doesn't want us to do it either. We were all a little spooked, and that was the end of the conversation. 
I was in that cellar many times after that, even once during a bad storm, but I never saw those lights flicker like that again. The next incident happened in the spring. We were again in the cellar, having a sewing or planning night. We were planning to reenact a lady's tea in the parlor, and I volunteered to go upstairs to the closet on the second floor and get cloth napkins and take them home to wash them. I didn't think a thing about going upstairs alone in the nearly dark house as I knew my way up those stairs quite well, and there was enough light shining up the stairs to see the closet. I opened the door and got the napkins, and then every hair on the back of my neck stood up. A chill went through me. I had the distinct feeling you get when somebody is standing right behind you. I knew I wasn't alone, and it wasn't anyone from the cellar. I took the napkins, closed the door, and went back down those stairs as quickly as I could without looking around. After that, I never really wanted to be upstairs alone. The last odd thing I can't explain happened during the winter. I used to drive on the site every morning on my way to work. It had snowed, and as I drove by the house, I saw smoke coming from the fireplace that was in the family room on the first floor. My first thought was how cozy and homey it made the house look with the snow everywhere. Then it struck me. That fireplace had not been used in years and had been sealed up because the chimney was old and dangerous. I wish I had time to turn around, go back, and take a second look, but I didn't. I did take a closer look at that side of the house to see if there was somewhere else the smoke could have come from, but I didn't see anything, and I never had an explanation from anyone who was an employee there. I did tell some of the other people at the site about my experiences. One woman said that she was sitting in the family room knitting, and she heard footsteps on the porch coming to the front door, but when she looked, Nobody was there. Eventually, I had to start working at my paying job more and had to quit volunteering at the site. I have gone back there a few times since, but never experienced anything else while I was there. I do have another story to tell, but I'll save it for another time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. March 2nd, 2012. I was in a car accident. I had lots of injuries, but I healed fine, minus some back issues. During my healing time, I had the exact same dream for a week. Nothing was ever added or taken away. The dream consisted of my dad, my friend, and myself. We were driving home and I was in the back seat, my friend in the front, and my dad was driving. We started to drift off the road and I was yelling at my dad, but he wasn't moving or responding. We go off the road and everything is in slow motion. We roll and I can see the glass shattering. My dad then hits his left temple on the seatbelt adjuster. Every time I have the dream, I can't seem to get his attention to control the car. I told my mom and a few more friends about this dream after I had a few more, telling them how it felt so weird and that I couldn't make sense of it. Also, my dad was always on the road as a truck driver, so it definitely concerned me. They said it was probably just trauma from my actual car accident. Fast forward to the early morning of April 20th, 2012, the day after my 16th birthday. I thought my dad was at my door to wake me up, since he had to work on my birthday. But it was actually my uncle, my dad's twin. He worked with my dad and found his truck after it had been in an accident, on my birthday. He was there to tell me and my mom that dad didn't make it. When we arrived at the viewing days later, my dad looked like he was sleeping. He was just as handsome as ever. No scratches. Just one bruise on the left side of his temple, just like in my dream. I feel that something happened before he went off the road, so his body wasn't tense on impact, which typically causes more damage. He didn't even have any broken bones. They needed the jaws of life to get him out. Fast forward to 2014, my sister-in-law had my nephew, so I traveled to San Antonio to meet him. We talked about how much we wished my dad could meet his first grandson. I took a random selfie while I was there, and I can see what I believe to be my father's face behind me in bed. Nothing else was there at the time, Whether or not it's him in that photo, I know he's watching over me. So, a little bit about me. I'm a guy who enjoys the unknown or mysterious things. Lately, I've been meditating a lot and researching things like sacred geometry, or the net as ancient Egyptians call it, ghosts, astral projection, various other things as well. The more I've been getting into all of this, though, I've been having strange experiences. It's also important to note that I'm a gamer, 
so I'm often up late or early morning. For the past few months, I would go into my living room to grab water, oftentimes from 1 to 3 a.m. Almost every time I'd do this, the light directly over where I get my water would flicker on and off. I'd get cold or shivery feelings when I was under it. Oddly, none of the other lights would do this, and during the day, the light never does this. On to more recent and more strange, so I was trying to see my own aura, just out of curiosity. One way I found on YouTube was to look into a mirror with a white background and stare directly into the mirror and look at the space right above your shoulder next to your neck. You'll stare at that until you see a color in your peripherals. I did this and after a few minutes, I saw pitch black in my peripherals. I thought that this was strange, but went about my day like normal. The next morning, I went to work at my office job. It was the weekend, so I'm the only one who's there. It's important to note my office is a big room with two sides. My computer is in the corner, but it faces towards the wall and not the rest of the office. Something seemed kind of off while I was there, but I couldn't really determine what. As I was working, I was listening to a podcast with my headphones in. For some reason, I kept thinking I could hear something moving in the office behind me every few minutes or so. So I removed my headphones and just started listening off of my phone speaker. I kept getting a feeling something was in the office with me, but every time I looked around there was nothing. This went on for about an hour. Then, for some reason, I got a headache, or more like a buzzing sensation around the crown of my head. Then, a minute or two later, the lights in the office started to flash on and off very quickly. Half of the room's lights would flash off, then the other half would flash back on, and vice versa. I felt cold the moment that this happened, so I grabbed all of my stuff and locked up. I'm probably going to see if I can get footage of this soon, as we have cameras inside the office. I thought I'd share and see if anyone else has had similar experiences or has more insight on what's going on. It all seems pretty strange to me. I've had paranormal experiences before, but never so often as I am now. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Let me start by saying, I love the show. True paranormal stories are what I live for. I love hearing all the different experiences from all over the world. However, I have to admit, 
it's not as fun when it's actually happening to me. This is the first time something has directly involved me. For some context, I am Canadian, and my husband is Danish. We live in Denmark where this takes place. Last October, my husband and I bought his childhood home and spent a few long months doing some serious renovations. Something to know about this house, the foundations and some sections of the house are from the 1500s. During the renovations, we discovered a well, like from the ring, right in the middle of what is now our kitchen. We filled it up with concrete and continued with the renovations. Our bedroom at the time was upstairs in what used to be the loft of an attached barn. The house already had a bit of a freaky feel to it, but I had never felt weird or uncomfortable there before. One evening in February 2021, around 9pm, our friends were over and we were downstairs in the living room playing cards. Suddenly, the baby monitor alerted us that my son was screaming. I rushed upstairs to check on him and as I reached the landing, I heard the floor creaking in the bedroom. I didn't think too much of it at the time, and focused on getting to my son. After settling him down, I sat in a rocking chair beside his crib. During that time, I heard shuffling sounds, coming from a pitch-black corner of the bedroom. I tried to rationalize it as usual old house noises, but I was thoroughly freaked out. I eventually left my son in his crib, and as soon as I took the first step toward the door, I heard heavy footsteps run towards me from that dark corner. The floor creaked, and it felt sinister, like something dark was rushing at me. I screamed for my husband, and we turned on the lights, but nothing was there. I cried for a long time before sharing what happened with my husband and our friends. Fast forward to the summer of 2022. And after finishing the renovations, we moved our bedroom downstairs. One night, I experienced sleep paralysis, and although I couldn't move or speak, I saw the hallway light turning on and off. I heard footsteps enter the room, giggling in the same voice as my son. Then it suddenly ran out, and I could move again. A couple of nights later, while reading in bed alone, I felt something shake my foot as if someone was trying to wake me up, but there was nobody. It was perplexing rather than scary. Since then, I often hear the floor creaking in the bedroom when no one is upstairs, and sometimes I see someone walking past the windows outside, even though no one is there. I don't feel scared in this house, but these occurrences have left me unsettled. My husband is skeptical and hasn't experienced anything, but I wonder if our renovations have stirred something up. I hope nothing like this happens again so I can continue observing horror instead of living it. I don't know what I've been seeing, but I do know that it does not have good intentions. The first time I saw it was about three years ago. I live in a rural area that has an old highway or a newer bypass that you can take to get there. 
At the time, I was commuting about 40 minutes to work and often worked late nights due to my school schedule. Work had let out and I was on my way home. If you go the bypass, you skip the last city that was food and gas before you hit my small town, which has neither of those. I decided to cut through the town that night to grab dinner on my way home. The old highway is very dark. There are street lamps when exiting the city, but very soon after they disappear, and it's essentially total darkness. That is unless a train is active on the tracks that runs alongside the road. After I got my food, I took the highway and found myself being the only one on the road late at night. This wasn't unusual since the new bypass was a lot faster for the people who lived near me to get home. In the darkness, I turned my brights on, and as I exited the well-lit area, I saw something sprint across the road ahead of me. I say something because, well, I still don't know what it was. The creature was very tall, closer to the seven-foot range, and from far away, I couldn't see very many features other than it had large horns, it walked on two legs, and it was white. I only saw the creature for maybe three seconds. It was very fast and too far away to see where it went. But when I passed the area where it ran across the road, a chill ran down my spine like I had never felt before. My stomach was immediately uneasy and my hair stood on the back of my neck. The amount of fear that coursed through my body was unmatched. About a week later, I finally got a good look at this creature. Again, I had worked late, and this time I needed to get gas before going home, so I took the same old highway. When I reached the area where I had originally seen the creature, I saw it again. This time, however, it ran alongside my car. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what this thing looked like. Its features were somewhat humanoid, yet goat-like, also bird-like. Its legs were very long and furry, but its torso was shorter, broad, and feathery. Its horns were tall and straight, rather than branching out, similar to a deer. Its arms were very long, and the claws that it sported were sharp. Its face is probably the scariest part. Now, it's hard to make out because a majority of its face is dark, but its mouth is almost like something one would carve into a pumpkin during Halloween. Its eyes are just black undefined holes. While it ran alongside my car, that same intense bodily response returned. I couldn't breathe because the fear was so intense. It was almost gracefully running, easily keeping up with my 70 mile per hour speed. And then it scurried off, disappearing into the pitch black of the field next to the highway. I avoided that highway for a long time. Since I live in a rural area, I have a very long driveway and there is a gate that you have to get out and open to enter the property. I would sprint to that gate and into the house whenever I came home late at night because of that intense fear I had of the creature for a long time. It would be a year before I saw this creature again. At this point, I had stopped running from place to place and relaxed a lot, almost forgetting about the creature. Until, of course, one night. I was home alone and I heard intense barking from the dogs. I opened the door with a high-powered flashlight and stepped onto the front porch to investigate. At first, I saw nothing, but then the familiar fear crept up and I found myself locking eyes with the tall white creature. It was closer than it had ever been before, 
but still at a distance, standing next to a tree it had been hiding behind. It picked an arm up and waved at me, taunting me. I couldn't break my gaze. Even though the fear that I felt was overwhelmingly intense, the eyes staring back at me just wouldn't let me go. Finally, the trance was broke, and I was able to escape back into the house, where I locked the door, closed all of the windows, and lowered the blinds. This encounter was particularly terrifying. Our intense staring only displayed the power that this thing had over me. I was back to being extremely cautious. That same year, I saw the creature only once more. It wasn't nearly as intense, and then I didn't see it again. Until recently. Now, I don't work late as often as I used to, but I work farther away, so when I do work late, I get home even later than I used to. Again, because it had been so long since I had seen this thing, I let my guard down. But I won't ever make that mistake again. Recently, I've seen it twice. The first time I got out of the car after parking in front of my home, it was standing next to the same tree it had been hiding behind the previous time. However, it was much closer due to where I parked my car. The fear wasn't there this time. Something told me that this time I was safe. The creature was just watching me. But that didn't make my heart race any slower. I quickly ran to the house and inside, finding safety in my home once again. But the most recent time, I didn't actually see the creature. I felt it. It was the scariest occurrence. I had opened the gate and pulled through. So when I closed the gate, it was dark because of the absence of my headlights. I grabbed hold of the cool metal of the gate and found myself frozen. The fear I had come to know so well overtook my body. I couldn't breathe. My chest hurt so badly from how my heart pounded and my muscles ached from stiffening. I found myself in a position again where I couldn't move. Not because I didn't want to, but I physically couldn't. I immediately knew I would not be seeing the creature but I knew exactly where it was, standing nearly directly behind me. For the first time, I could hear it. A small sound that sounded like a laugh, followed by a low growl. Chills ran across my skin, and tears formed in my eyes. This time, I really thought that it was going to get me. But instead, I felt its claws just barely touch my hair, brushing a few strands that got caught when it pulled its hand away. Just as quickly as the creature appeared, it was gone. I could move again, so I closed the gate and got into the car where I sobbed until I finally calmed down enough to go inside. This time I didn't sprint because I knew that it wouldn't be coming for me again, not that night. If the same pattern persists, I suspect I will see the creature again in another year. Only next time, I'm unsure of how our encounter will go. Each time I see it, it gets closer to me. I don't know what it is or what I've done to become its target. As a 23-year-old who has lived in this house since I was two, but I really hope that it loses interest before it makes its final move. this is a story that mainly happened to my nana and auntie. Unfortunately, my nana died 18 years ago from cancer, so I never got a chance to talk to her about it. 
I was also encouraged not to ask her about it growing up, as I was told she didn't like to think about that time of her life, but my auntie has since told me the full story. To set the scene, this happened in working-class Lancashire, England, in the mid-70s, just after my granddad died of cancer. Yes, both of my mom's parents died of cancer. My mom was 11 and lived in a two-bedroom, semi-detached house with her younger brother who was nine, her older sister who was 17, and my nana. There were four other siblings, all of them having already moved out. When my granddad died, my nana and auntie went to a recreational center to use a Ouija board with other random women in the area, as you do on a Saturday night. My auntie was not into it, but was forced to do it by my nana. It was quite uneventful. I'm not sure whether she wanted to give my granddad hell for leaving her alone with three kids still at home or what, but nothing particularly interesting happened, and they went home. A few days later, they started to hear a grandfather clock chiming in the house, although they did not own one, nor did the neighbors. This is when things started to get weird. My nana and auntie shared the front bedroom with a single bed on either side. At night, they started hearing noises coming across the carpet, like nails being dragged. This progressed into pressure on the bed and tugging of the covers. Little things like this started happening regularly. My auntie would often go out to the pub on weekends, and one night she came home late when my nana was already in bed. She tried to turn the light on, but it just wouldn't come on, so she got undressed in the hallway, then bolted across the room and jumped on my nana's bed where she stayed for the rest of the night. The light worked fine the next day. Another night, my auntie woke up with pressure around her ankle, like someone had a tight grip on it and was trying to pull her. The worst thing she says she remembers happening, as if the ankle grip wasn't bad enough, was a gremlin-like head shape that bounced on the end of her bed. From how she described it, I imagine it as one of those weird head things from Spirited Away that rolls around bodiless. My mom and uncle slept in the back bedroom and didn't experience a thing. They slept soundly every night, apart from the night when everything came to a head. My nana and auntie were once again squeezed into one single bed, terrified of the unseen thing that was in the room with them. My nana told my auntie to turn the light on, which required her to get out of the bed and walk to the door on the other side of the room. My auntie obviously refused. Instead, she shouted for my mom, the little 11-year-old sleeping in the next room. My mom sleepily appeared at the door and turned the light on, at which point both my nana and auntie shot up and out of the room, grabbing my mom on the way and throwing themselves down the stairs into the front room. The front room was directly below their bedroom, and my bewildered mom was now wide awake. Neither my auntie nor nana could speak, but were instead listening to what was going on above them. The sound of furniture scraping on the floor had started to come through the ceiling. My auntie says it was like everything in the room was being moved around. At this point, my nana realized she had left one of her children upstairs. So, as any fierce mom would do, she called her sister to come and check on him. But first, she had to get to the phone, which was at the bottom of the stairs. None of them wanting to do it, 
but they also didn't want to be left alone, so all three of them huddled at the bottom of the stairs for the midnight call to my Nana's sister who lived nearby. Calling her sister to come help her out was not an uncommon thing, but calling in the middle of the night was. She called her and simply said, I need you to come here and check on Philip, then hung up. I can imagine this phone call panicked my great aunt rather a lot because she was at the house in a matter of minutes. She burst into the living room and asked where Philip was. My nana just said, upstairs, so off she went, hustling up to find him. Two minutes later, she was back down saying, he's absolutely fine, asleep in his bed. What the hell is going on? And so they told her. She was not happy. She had just been unceremoniously woken up in the middle of the night, panicked into believing her nephew was gravely ill or injured, and sent unwittingly running into the den of a poltergeist. After a few choice words were spoken, and knowing Philip was safe and sound asleep upstairs, the four of them just sat in silence, waiting to see what would happen next. And what happened next was pretty bizarre. My auntie said they started to hear music. A full brass band had started upstairs. It made its way down the stairs and then out of the house, seemingly through the front door. And that was that. They were tormented for weeks, and then it just buggered off into the night, never to return. I'm not sure what made it leave, but I do know them messing with the Ouija board definitely invited it. And I've heard that poltergeists are drawn to teenagers. That house is just 10 minutes up the road from where I live now, but my nana moved out shortly after the poltergeist experience, so it hasn't been in the family for a long time, which is a shame. I like a house with a good backstory. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So I knew a guy that moved to the States from Australia years ago. He was a pretty well-traveled guy. He had been all over the world. And the only place he ever had any kind of paranormal experiences was here in the U.S. Oh. Why do you think that is? Well, I'm going to pivot a little because while it doesn't explain the prominence of ghost sightings and the like, people have raised the same point about UFO sightings 
there are a lot of UFO reports that take place around nuclear facilities starting back to the 60s up until today. Mm-hmm. That doesn't explain ghost stuff, but yeah. that's just to say there could be a missing link that hasn't been correlated yet. There has to be some sort of metaphorical nuclear element in the spirit or psyche of certain people or a perfect storm of events that determine whether or not a location becomes haunted, for example. Yeah, and to our international listeners, I'd love to hear some of your stories from around the world. Most of our stories are from here in the U.S., different states. Tell us about your local hauntings or cryptids. We definitely want to hear. Absolutely. So you finally got to have dinner with your parents again. How did that go? I know it's always hit or miss. Yeah, my parents came to visit for dinner recently, and... My dad and I got to talking about our sleep schedules. Mm. He uh, he works really early shifts like my wife, and it's something that they've kind of bonded over. I see. And yeah, and they always talk uh, when we get together about their sleep and how they have to get up so early. Well, my dad brings up getting vibrations when he's trying to fall asleep. And if you recall from past episodes, I've described this specific phenomenon as the first step to experiencing an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. He told me that as soon as he starts to relax, his whole body starts to feel like it's vibrating from the inside and it scares him so badly that he wakes himself up. Whoa. Yeah, I vaguely remember him talking about this in the past, but I didn't know it was a nightly thing. Apparently this happens to him every single night. I think he's probably susceptible to astral projection because I've experienced the same things when I've tried to astral project Yeah, you should tell him to tap into that some more if he's down for it. Yeah, I actually told him he needs to read Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. I bet he'd really get a kick out of it. I'm probably going to buy it for him. You should Um, wrap it in a bow and hand deliver it to him. mm -hmm. He'd probably find like getting out of his body to be extremely easy in comparison to people like me. You know, I have to struggle just to get to the vibrational state. It takes a lot of concentration His story is almost identical to Robert Monroe's and that it's happening by accident and he can't stop it. He hates it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what's really telling with a lot of these people that experience, say, more paranormal things. They just can't help it. Some people are just more sensitive to these sort of things happening. Mm -hmm. I practice yoga nidra. I don't know if you've heard of that, but although it isn't the same thing, even doing that can bring about an electric sensation without me trying So the name is familiar, but I don't know what is yoga nidra exactly. It's a type of meditation. I do it nightly when I'm struggling to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. I I find it works really well. I personally just do it to fall asleep, but there's a window of where you're in a state between sleep and consciousness, which is what most people seem to aim for. It's said to be as restorative as sleep Mm -hmm. if you remain fully conscious. I don't know. I feel like I need to enter my REM to get that full night's rest. Yeah. What I do is, though, I lay flat on my back, do some deep breathing exercises while I slowly visualize and relax each body part from head to toe. I enter almost a trance-like state, and before I know it, I'm fast asleep. Mm-hmm. I'm somebody who used to take melatonin almost daily. Otherwise, I'm tossing and turning for an hour each night. But yoga nidra has helped a lot. Practice at your own risk, though. So I have practiced this. I didn't know what it was called. I, this happens to me by accident, similar to the vibrational thing with my dad. I get into that relaxed state where I'm in it like a trance-like state. I'm awake, but my body's like basically falling asleep. 
this has happened to me quite a bit and I usually jolt myself awake. It's, it's kind of like the feeling of falling, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. You wake yourself up. It's like you kind of detach from the physicality of your body. So like, it's like, it, you know what it is? It's almost like you're kind of moving around inside of your body, exploring your body, like visually. I, I don't know. That's, that's how I describe it. But when I was a kid, and staying with my cousin, he had a computer. He was like one of the first people that I knew that had a computer. And I would go and stay at his house when we were little. And I remember he got Morpheus or Kazaa, one of those peer-to-peer sharing programs. And he downloaded a like an old tape, like a recording of an old tape that was supposed to help you get to sleep. And we wanted to try it out. It describes exactly what Yoga Nidra is. I had no idea oh, that's, nice. that it had a name and that it was a, a common thing like this. Yeah, it would basically guide you verbally through relaxing every little part of your body. The, the exact same thing that you described. And we used it and it actually like helped us. We just laid there in sleeping bags in the living room and listened back to it on the computer speakers. I love that. Yeah, we both kind of got into that trance-like state and we talked about it. And then since then, I've always been doing this. I didn't know that it was... a. Uh, it had a name. Yeah, there's more to learn about it. Definitely look more into it. It's really cool stuff. I will say, though, I do see some sort of similarity to like the sleep paralysis, sleep awake state. So definitely take caution, anybody who wants to try this. If you've experienced sleep paralysis or any demons, maybe not enter at your own risk. Yeah, definitely. If you're seeing uh, like shadow people and stuff, this may not be something you want to practice. <laughs> right. And Courtney... I really hope you continue to stay away from Crybaby Bridge. (laughs) While there are urban legends tied to bridges like that, Mm -hmm. for better or worse, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. That's what we do here. Yep. There's a bridge in Salem, Ohio, where it's said that a baby fell off a bridge and drowned, and now that location is haunted. And in the same area, there's a cult rumored to operate, and an elderly woman was actually strangled to death and burned beside the same bridge. So I can't help but wonder if she went to this one in Salem, Ohio, or if it was one of the many bridges in America that are purported to be haunted. But that's the thing about urban legends. There's a reason why there's an urban legend. Either it was just something that was made up or there's, you know, the chance that multiple people experience it. Yeah, these types of rumors are true. Or maybe it's the urban legend that's creating the experience, sort of like the tulpa. Or Slenderman becoming a thing. Exactly. You create the experience and then it manifests for you. So I know we'll probably get some feedback from <laughs> some <laughs> yeah, of our more vocal feedback. listeners about that was just an urban legend. I can't believe you shared that. But we share all kinds of stories on this podcast. And there's no reason to discount a story simply because there's an urban legend behind it. That doesn't mean that it's not a genuine experience. And I, I'm glad that we shared that one. It really creeped me out. Yeah, it was a good one. Anyways, thanks everybody for sharing your stories. This week you have heard The Time I Was Possessed by Courtney, A Historical Haunting by Kyle, Foreshadowing by Ashley, My Odd Experiences by T, My Old House by Tyler, A Creature in the Night by Nikki, and finally, A Poltergeist Followed My Nana Home by Heidi. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Don't forget to sign up for our Patreon if you'd like to get ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience. And finally, make sure you check out the new episodes of my other podcasts, like Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, Welcome to Paradise It Sucks, and the Old Time Radiocast. You can find them all at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you all next week.
Everyone stay safe. Peace out. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.